Raised the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip, zap, kazoo! The Buckos just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop, and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play! Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Castrigano. With me, my co-host, Ed Wassel. Just the two of us running it this week. Ed, how are you doing this crisp, almost fall day? Okay. It definitely feels like fall. It was miserable. I don't know about you, but we had rain basically all day long here. It's raining right now. It sounds like um, someone's just playing a little drum outside my window. Uh, or like firecrackers popping, popping or something. Um, but we've got two weeks. It's just like a constant like. So I was worried it was some like electrical issue, but just rain it gets me every time. But we're recording this. It's September seventeenth. We've got two weeks left of the season. In some ways, it's flown by. In some ways, it's kind of dragged. Uh, we're going to be doing reflection in uh, a couple weeks. But um, yeah, it's it's weird that it's coming down to to the end here. Been a wild season, had some ups and downs. Um, but let's first look at the roster roundup this past week. Just two moves on Wednesday: Quinn Priester recalled from Indy, reliever Cody Bolton was sent down. This was Bolton's fifth option, I believe. It was his last one. He can't be option again if recalled without passing through waivers. There's two weeks left. It seems like that's going to happen unless there's a bunch of injuries and he needs to. Um, and then on Friday, Vinny Capra sent back to Indy as Henry Davis was reactivated from the injured list. A lot of people kind of forgot that Capra was still here, especially because I don't think he had appeared in a game in a while. But um, yeah, so Priester's back. Davis is back. Teams getting back to a lot of the prospects. We don't have Gonzalez up. We don't have um, I mean, some pitchers like Jared Jones up. He's been dealing in Indianapolis. I don't know if you've been following any of that, but do you have any thoughts on the the moves? Were you a uh, Kappa? Definitely a huge Capra fan. So much so that I watched the two games that he played in. <laughs> uh, that was not a surprise at all. I figured he'd basically kind of be first man out when someone else was ready to come back. Right. So I was glad to see Davis come come back. Yeah. He did struggle in his first couple at-bats. And we'll talk about it. Because we don't have a guest, we can go a little bit longer. So I went in more depth with the recap this week. 
So, homestand. Four games against the Nationals, three against the Yankees. Run through these as quick as we can. Nats, game one, Andre Jackson, cruising early in a start, then ran into trouble second time through the lineup. C.J. Abrams homers twice. Patrick Corbin continues to dominate only the Pirates, zero other teams, as Pittsburgh loses 6-2. Game two, Bailey Falter dominates for six innings of one-run ball. Only 67 pitches when he came out, surprisingly. Josh Palacios hit a two-run homer. Bucks win 5-1. Wednesday, Colin Selby opened for Priester. He allowed a run in his inning of work, but then Priester uh, was cooking. His first start since being recalled. He retired the first 10 batters he faced, allowed a run in the fifth, and then could not retire a runner in the sixth inning, allowing three more runs there. Team had already built up a hefty lead, 1-7-6, with David Bednar getting the save. It's critical. We'll come back to that. Thursday, Mitch Keller day. Dude was dealing. Eight innings of two-hit shutout ball, one walk, seven strikeouts. Probably could have gone nine, only 92 pitches, but Bednar came on for the save. Team won 2-0, win 3-4 over Washington. And the Yankees series started Friday, Roberto Clemente day, and the team was doing everything right early on. Got to Yankee starter Garrett Cole, only made it through five innings. Got good run support against the relievers. They had a 5-3 lead going into the bottom of the ninth, or the top of the ninth, excuse me. However... Because Bednar pitched Wednesday and Thursday, he wasn't available to close it out. Colin Holderman came on and had a rare blow-up, was having control issues, was kind of all over the place, walked a few batters. He allowed a run to score with one out. And then he got a double play ball, was hit to Leover Paguero, who's playing shortstop. G1 Bay was at second, tossed it to him. They got the runner at second. And then Bay bounced the ball to Alfonso Rivas, who was at first base, and he wasn't able to scoop it. Yankees had the bases loaded at that point. They scored two runs, eventually one seven to five. Saturday, team got some early hits and runs, but Luis Ortiz was starting and he struggled with control. Walked six batters in 4.2 innings. Bats went quiet. The last 15 Pirates hitters went down in order. Selby back on the bump today to help salvage a series. Oh, what was the score of that one? Six, six, three, six, three. We lost that game. Uh, Selby back on the bump today to try helping salvage a series. He pitched two hitless frames. Jackson, three hitless ones of his own. So five hitless uh, innings. While the Pirates scored a run off of Leo Verpiguero, RBI, RBI double, excuse me. And Miguel Andujar, line drive homer off the right field foul pole. However, Jackson coughed up the lead because why not? Bucks got a lucky bounce in the seventh inning. Uh, Jared Triolo at second. Jason DeLay hit a ball right off the corner of the third base bag, bounced away, and scored the go-ahead eventual winning run to win 3-2 to two today. So a lot of stuff going on. Uh, when we talked to Craig last week, we discussed how difficult it is to sweep a series, and even a, especially a four-game series. But we were hopeful of, I think both you and I predicted that we'd win 3-4 or four against Washington. So yeah. it, was, it was frustrating to lose that first one out of the gate and then kind of being able to rebound. Um, but for that final one, Keller was doing, like, just crushing it. I think the walk he allowed was in the seventh or eighth inning. It was pretty late in the game. And he gave up a hit in the first and then, like, a hit in the fifth and was otherwise just mowing them down. But bringing in Bednar to ensure that win, the right decision, the wrong decision, questionable. Like, what are you in, in that situation? What are you thinking? 
I don't know. It's a tough call. It's, it's late in the year. Keller has been kind of off and on again with, you know, good start, bad start. It would have been nice to see him finish it out. But at the same time, I don't want to see any extra stress on his arm at this point in the year. He's thrown a lot of pitches. He's thrown a lot of innings. He's approaching 200 strikeouts. I think he's at 197 right now. Um, should pitch two, maybe Tuesday. They'll have him pitch. Maybe Wednesday. Depends how they uh, line it up with the off day tomorrow. Uh, and then Friday, we we're talking before the call. You said that you were were able to watch that last inning when Holderman came in um, on the broadcast. Greg Brown just loves being a jinx because he showed the video of Will Crow uh, blowing the game against the Yankees when we had like a four-run lead or three-run lead, something like that, last year, and showed that video, I think twice, of him giving up the grand slam to Giancarlo Stanton. And then they put up a graphic showing how the Yankees are 0-50 when losing by two or more runs after eight innings. I was like, you guys are just asking the, the gods of baseball to smite us. And we we were smote. We were we were smitten smoted? They smote us. <laughs> they smote us right down. I mean, if Bay turns that double play, it's game over, we win, you know, 5-4. But I mean, Bay is not. Bay, Bay doesn't make the turn. Brevis doesn't make the pick. Holderman doesn't make a lot of his pitches because he walked at least two batters, and then he gave up a couple line drive hits after that. I will say, obviously, base throw, not good, but the bounce that it took was a very catchable ball. It it was – that's the thing. It's Everyone's blaming Bay, and I'm like, it's, it's not great for Bay. Bay probably – like, maybe he shouldn't have been in that position. Maybe Paguero should have been at second. Uh, Alika Williams should have been at first or at uh, short. Williams made seven assists in the field today. It's the most that a players had for the Pirates all season in one game. Yeah, I mean, I you see other teams like do like late inning defensive subs. That would have been an ideal and, position for that. And we have two. Rivas went in for Connor Joe. He made a uh, he caught a pop up in foul territory. A play that maybe Connor Joe makes, maybe he doesn't, but. Rivas is better defensively than him. It's a reason that he's there. Alika Williams, the only reason he's here is because of his glove. I think he went 0 for 4 in the game today. There's not a reason to have him here if he's not going to be put in those positions. Right. So it's kind of a frustrating situation there. And then I'm going to come back to this, but Andre Jackson... When he retired nine of the first 10 batters that he faced because there was a walk in there to, um, I don't remember which of the, like maybe it was um, Peraza. I think he walked Peraza. One of the rookies of the Yankees, he, he walked. But otherwise he looked good. And then he came out and he gave up a run in the sixth inning. And... Like seven, eight, nine. We've got a two-one lead. You you know how it's gonna go. Carmen Majinski, Colin Holderman, David Bednar. Neither of them pitched yesterday. It's not really a, a question as to whether or not they've they've got it, because that's been like the seven eight nine. 
or Ryan Barucki if someone's not able to because he ended up being used anyway. He had to get the last two innings in the uh, last two outs in the seventh inning. So it was just kind of a questionable call to have Jackson go back out there. He's he's definitely got a role. And I tweeted out his stats when facing opponents first time through the order. Uh, and this is coming into today. His triple slash opponents hitting 226, 248, 411 for a combined 659 OPS. Second time through the order, opponents are hitting 279, 397, 541 for a 938 OPS. Like you have one player on your team who's got a 938 OPS. That's all-star level production. That's combined against him second time through the order. And that's only gone up after today's game because that was going into his outing today. Yeah, that's that's rough. It's just a, a frustrating, and I know they want him to be a starter and be able to get past that, but it's like you go back to Osvaldo Bito. He's kind of a long relief guy, and he that that's the only thing that he's going to be able to do. You're not going to – if you've got a, something that a guy's successful at, covering three innings isn't a bad thing, especially as they're doing several piggyback starts. We don't have a lot of starters right now. Yeah, he fits so, in good at that like long reliever role. It's you know something that we, this team kind of lacks, realistically. Right, but it's like, why are they trying to force him to go longer? Is the question. I know they need to eat innings, but they and they're trying to see what someone has. We just like to see them show that they they know how to use it. But um, we'll focus on that in our special this week. We're going to quickly pivot to down on the farm. Last week of double A ball curve at the Akron Rubber Ducks. As I'm recording this, the uh, curve had a 3-1 lead. But now they're in the 10th inning. They're leading 4-3 to three, uh, in the bottom of the 10th, but has not finished yet. Pitching. I think that's Cameron Junker. Buddy of Craig's. Uh, so but their season, I mean, they're, they're, they have no, they're not going to be able to make the postseason. So today's going to be the last game for them. I believe they'll finish under 500, like 32 and 33 or 32 and 31 and 34, something like that, depending on how today ends. And then, uh, Indianapolis Indians split a six game series against the Omaha storm chasers. They do have one more week of minor league games possible that after that they're at home against the Rochester Red Wings. Next week, we could see some call-ups, uh, some some prospects either we've seen before, such as Nick Gonzalez, Mackey, uh, Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette tweeted earlier, or well, I guess last week now, that uh, he'd like to see Jared Jones added to the 40-man and called up. I disagreed, but what are your thoughts? Do you think that the team benefits and that Jared Jones would benefit from getting a start with Pittsburgh to end the season? I mean, I don't think it would hurt. We saw it last, late last year with a couple of pitchers coming up. I mean, any time that a pitcher can get, you know, a few innings or start, start or two against that kind of competition, it, you know, 
know, gets them ready for the next year. But here's the other side of the coin. If they add him, they have to keep him on the 40-man through the offseason. Now there's guys who are going to fall off that 40-man, like Kutch. Um, there, there's going to be some DFA options, um, potential non-tenders. But overall, you, you have someone who's going to be holding that, that spot on the 40-man over this offseason that you're not going to be able to use to protect someone from Rule 5, um, not going to be able to make Rule 5 acquisitions, and it's before he needs to because he's not Rule 5 eligible until next year. I'm, I'm mixed on it, and I, I just don't think that – I just don't feel like the Pirates are going to do that for what would I mean, amount to a start. I feel like he's going to start on the 40-man next season anyway. I mean, I understand what you're saying. You're locking up that spot a couple months early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. If they don't... We can trim up. There is, and that was my argument, because people were saying, oh, you know, he he should, he'll benefit. It's like it would be one start either against... Let's see, he started last Thursday, I want to say. So he'll probably start Wednesday against Rochester. So likely would face either the Phillies or, I mean, potentially they push him and then he gets to debut at home against the Marlins. But it's not, it's, it's one game to add him to the 40 man when you could just rest his arm. I don't know how many innings he's thrown this season, but it might be something where they're like, okay, we're ready to, let him sit, let him rest before we get on the offseason because he's going to be part of the equation next season. You got Cavalier, you got Oviedo, Priester, Ortiz, Contreras, Skeens. Jones is there. I don't know if they're going to dig down to like Salamedo and uh, Chandler and like there's a lot. We talked about it last week. There's a lot of pitching options. Not a lot of hitting options. They got a lot of pitching options. So I don't know. I mean, like like I said, I would love to see it. I'm eager to see him in spring training again next year. I just, I don't know, for one game, unless they call, I mean, if they, they could call him up this week, but so it would be two. I just don't see it happening. I think they kind of try to piece it together between now and then. Yeah, I mean, it, it can go either way. It's that said, and I've talked about before, Kyle Nicholas, I think he is someone who likely gets added to the 40-man, the, like, 60-day someone, doesn't matter who, and add him in because he'll need to be protected ahead of Rule 5. And he's been just dealing since they moved him to the relief role in Indianapolis. He looked great in spring and has really performed in Indianapolis after his, I think he was in Altoona to start the year. So that's been really awesome to see. Are there any prospects who you're hoping get called up? What with or back up, like a couple weeks? So by the end of the season, yeah. But just when when their season ends, or just we've got two weeks of the season left. Yeah, I'd like to see Gonzalez get another shot. I mean, I know he he didn't play great his first time up, but. He's been raking. That happens, that happens to a lot of players. So I guess he'd be the main one I wouldn't mind seeing again. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a middle infield of him and Paguero. 
I don't know where he's at defensively, but uh, I mean, Nikki G was just got to be better than Bay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Bay has not been doing well. Let me see if I can find the stats for him. No, of course I can't. Oh, I'm in Altoona. That's why. Yeah, I I don't know that Gonzalez is going to benefit much from being in Indianapolis. It's basically just a holding place. Like we had Andujar there, and Andujar has been between Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. He has 99 RBI on the season. And they were saying on the broadcast today, only six in the major leagues have a hundred plus. I was like, yeah, I mean, he's not facing major league competition when he's down in, you know, Indy. That's that's different, but yeah, he didn't spend a lot of time in the majors. But he's been doing really well, and we're gonna face a couple lefties this week, or we're scheduled to. And I'll talk about that in a sec, but I'm going to pivot and go on my rant for a bit with our special this week, which I've titled Blame Management. Now, I admit I often cast blame on management when things go wrong for the team, sometimes unfairly, usually pretty fairly. Today, for instance, when faced with Andre Jackson's clear issues when facing hitters a second time, Shelton still went ahead, had him pitch another inning, allowing the tying run to score. Granted, outside of creating a lineup, making positional changes throughout a game, the manager doesn't have a whole lot he can do. Challenge plays, sure. Protect his players when calls aren't going the way he expects them to, I suppose. Certainly haven't seen it with Shelton. We have seen stretches of success this season, sandwiching several months of dismal play. The team currently holds a winning record for September, being 9-7 and seven as of this recording, and have had to overcome some substantial issues throughout the year. Most of it is normal stuff that managers across the league suffer through, though. Mike Burrows and JT Brubaker go down with Tommy John before the season starts. Vince Velasquez only makes a few starts before he loses his season as well. It's not great, but the Tampa Bay Rays have had four starting pitchers who they lost this season and are still charging. Under performance, then, Rowanzi Contreras, Luis Ortiz, and Quinn Priest are all struggling with performance as starters. Well, yeah, but they're young. The Reds have had that with Hunter Green, Andrew Abbott, Graham Ashcraft. Somehow they're contending. Bullpen issues? I mean, they've had a gauntlet of pitchers come in and out of the pen this season. Well, so have the Texas Rangers. Currently have a 4.95 bullpen ERA well worse than Pittsburgh with 4.09. They've also had rotation injuries, predictably losing Jacob deGrom for at least this season, likely most of next year. They've had regression with young arms like Dane Dunning. They somehow have persevered despite being in a much harder division, mostly due in part to their offense. So what is it then? Who Who is it to blame for the Pirates losing 63 games between May 1st and August 27th? Is Sheltie the manager who will be able to lead this team over the hump? Whether that's 2024, as Ben Sherrington advised on his radio interview today, or beyond then, a manager does have a role to play. Head cheerleader, lead negotiator, top scout, medical advisor, he wears a lot of hats. And sometimes we don't know what he is being instructed to do or asked to do or even wants to do. At this point, we just have to try and trust the bucking process. Ed, your thoughts on the management situation and the role that he plays? I wish that could have been done in Morgan Freeman voice. 
That would have been so much better. <laughs> Thank, uh, you. Thank you for that. My biggest issue with Jelton is I don't know if he's put the same lineup out in more than like two or three games this entire year. There's I'm, zero I'm gonna, consistency. I'm going to tell you right now that's what he does. That's not unique to the Pirates. If you shout out to uh, Josh and Jake, uh, Bridge of October, they covered this a couple months ago. Unless you're the Atlanta Braves, n- most of the other teams do not have the Rays. Don't have a consistent lineup. They're they're going to bounce it around. The Rangers, they have a. There's a couple guys who are going to be in set spots, but the Orioles mix theirs up. I mean, it, it's a lot of teams will be rotating guys around. Looking for a healthy snack that is high in protein and actually tastes good? Check out Built Bars and Built Puffs. With new flavors dropping all the time, these bars are packed with protein while tasting like chocolate bars. From brownie batter to cookies and cream, salted caramel, and my favorite, cookie dough chung, these are a delicious and protein-packed meal alternative for every member of the family. Order on Built.com and use code Janelle10 for 10% off. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E, the number 10, for 10% off your next Built order today. The thing that kills me with Sheldon is there will be a game where the Pirates look absolutely outstanding. They'll score seven, eight, nine runs. The next game, they have three of those guys out of the lineup or the order is completely shifted. And I understand there's matchups, whether it be, you know, you're going against the lefty starter or whatever, but don't, don't fix something that's not broken. If you go, if you put a lineup out there, that's throwing up eight or nine runs, do it again the next day. See what happens. (laughs) I, I just don't understand completely tearing it down after having a great game. Yeah. I mean, it's a mixed bag. You look at today's lineup and it on the surface kind of seemed like a getaway day because Reynolds wasn't in. Andy obviously wasn't in because delay was catching. Uh, Triola was playing first base. Um, Joe was in left field. Anduar was in right. So was facing a lefty, but Aguero was leading off. And he came in with really strong numbers. I think he was he had like an OPS over 900 when he was leading off an inning. And he was uh, OPSing over 900 against lefties. He went two for four today. And Duhar, of all active members on the team, had the highest OPS. I think he only had like 25 at-bats, but against lefties. He had a, that home run today. Uh, Triolo, solid numbers against lefties. Two doubles. He's only had two doubles before this game. And, like, you know, how many appearances he had this season with the Pirates, not counting Indianapolis. I mean, those those are some critical hits. And then delay. I don't know if I could even count that. It re- Exit velocity was, like, it counts. 80-some miles. It counts. Yeah, it, no, it no, counts. it counts. <laughs> it had an expecting batted, expected batting average of .080. Like, in all metrics and understandings where luck does not play a factor, that is an inning ending out, like ground out to third, and we just have to kind of play it from there. 
play out a little bit. Didn't happen But here's the thing. If they look at this stuff analytically, and that was the reason why they play these matchups. Like Reynolds, uh, allegedly, the only reason he wasn't in, Arreste, which they, they build in, especially with the off day tomorrow, late in the season. And he's 0 for 6 career versus Rodone. Small sample size, but it's like, all right, well, if you've got to rest him, rest him against the guy who he can't hit. And then you've got other guys like Peggy, like Andujar, like Triolo, who are able to make that happen. Cool. What's the Winston's lineup against lefties this year? Really bad. Right. Do you want so me to pull them up? Him? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, well, like, you can't be like, oh, well, you know, analytics say Reynolds was 0 for 6 against him, but Swinsky's like, you know, 13 for 183, so we're going to keep him in. <laughs> well, then when do they rest Reynolds, though? He, he can't. <laughs> it's an optic. I mean, it, you're not you're not building to try to win games this season. They're definitely just trying. I'm hoping that they go into 2024 and they're like, okay, this is the year. Like, okay, we were surprised to be competitive in April this year. And then we lost Cruz. And we lost Velasquez. And Burroughs and Brubaker were out for the year. And you know, Hedges like got, somehow got worse at hitting. And all of the things that collectively happened where they started falling apart after that. Because they, we benefited from some luck in that first month. It wasn't just, oh, we had good pit- hitting and good pitching. We had those. But um, there was, a, like, Dari Moretta had that really high strand rate early on. Someone asked about him today in one of the Facebook groups I'm in. And I was like, he regressed because that's what's going to happen if you can't strike guys out and you walk guys and you have a strand rate of like 95% through a month. Eventually it reality comes back and you're, those guys aren't going to, aren't going to stay on base. Yeah. You, you can't uh, do keep you, production like that. up. <laughs> no, but do you think that Shelton has the capacity to like unbiased as unbiased as you can be, because that's going to be tough has the capacity to lead this team as a competitive squad. For me, that's real tough because this is the first year that he had a team that he should win with. And they're not, it's not even all together yet, but I've seen him make like so many mistakes this year that I would expect from a first year manager. But this, at this point, he's got a few years under his belt. These are things he shouldn't be doing still. The only reason I could potentially explain it away is that they're trying, like the thing with Jackson today, they're trying to see if he can work through it to see what they have but I'm hoping they go into April next year and they're like, okay, we know what we have with these guys. They get some free agents this off season. They supplement their bullpen. They are ready to make call-ups when they're needed and not when they're, well, when they're ready, but, and not just because of super two and all that stuff. And that they're, they're trying to win every game. I just, I think that they're still in the figuring things out stage. I, I'm, I'm hoping. Like I said, if we're trusting the bucking process, then that's what ideally is the case. 
They're seeing what they've gotten guys like Bailey Falter and Colin Selby and Andre Jackson. They're trying to work through things with Priester. Ortiz, I mean, Contreras, he's, he's still struggling, even in AAA. So we'll so see. So are you saying you do trust Shelton to lead them to being, you know, successful? Or Well, it's kind of going back to I don't know what overall control he has. If Charrington's saying, hey, we have to figure things out with these guys and that maybe the strings will be off Shelton starting next year, or if Shelton's the one who is, like, I can't see that he's micromanaging a lot of decisions here. I'm just hoping that in 24, when they've got more pieces in place, and the division's still going to be pretty open, even though, you know, the Cubs are going to have some prospects up, the Reds are going to have a couple more prospects coming up, the Brewers... Cardinals, you figure they're going to sign some pitchers this offseason. It might get more difficult, but you know we've we've got some talent in our system too. We've got yeah. the capacity to sign free agents. I don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, they have to sign someone, but you know what's with Shelton since we're on the issue. <laughs> you know what grinds my gears? All right. Yeah, that's <laughs> we're going to make a what grinds my gears segment just for you. My big thing, it doesn't matter how horrible a call is, whether it's a, a strike that was six, seven inches off the plate, it, Shelton almost never comes out of the dugout and argues for his guys. That's, you know, the, that's the one thing. I'm, yep. So come on, dude. Show him a little fire. Like, it, light a flame under this team. And it just, they pan over to him, and he's just, like, stroking his beard, like, huh, that sucks. Yep, it's it's been very rare that he's done that. That he's he's kind of like stood up for his guys. It's and I mean he's he's me. had some instances, and you know he got ejected that one time. Was it just one time he got ejected this year? I believe it was just that one time. And then the Pirates went and won. So yeah, I don't know if that was him or. And I mean, everybody got ejected. Speaking, he should get ejected every other game, and they'll finish five hundred. <laughs> You should, you should write an article about that. Uh, I would, but I'm not very good at writing. Well, we'll get there. All right, looking ahead, we're back on the road again after the off day Monday. Three games at Chicago against the Cubs, and then three games in Cincinnati against the Reds. Record against the Cubs this year, 2-8. and eight. We're facing Javier Assad, Jameson Tyen, and Justin Steele, the southpaw, or at least slated, you know, We'll see how that lines up. And then against the Reds for the season, we are six and four against them and likely facing Southpaw's Andrew Abbott and Brandon Williamson. And then next Sunday's starter is listed as TBD because they've got some issues going on with their rotation. So Cubs were, were kind of facing a bit of a gauntlet there. I think that's probably their three best starters, but they've been scuffling lately. Like we got the Yankees at the wrong time because they had been winning a lot of games. Hoping that we got the Cubs at the right time because they've been losing a lot of games. Ed, your thoughts on that series? I don't feel good about the Cubs series. <laughs> Just, every year there's that one team that you struggle against no matter what the situation is. This year it's the Cubs. 
Yeah, yeah they've lost four straight. They're losing right now against the Diamondbacks. Seven of their last ten. But yeah, they've had our number. Uh, we. Oh, I didn't go. You, we went to the Mets game. I went to the Cubs game back in June, and they beat us. Um, so they swept us in a three-game series in June. They swept us in another three-game series in June in Chicago. And then we split a series against them in August at home. Yeah, we don't face teams that much anymore. No. But, no, I, I think the Pirates are going to take one of those games against the Cubs. Okay, I, yeah, that's fair. I'd like to see him take two, but I just feel like one is going to be the number. I'll have to go back and look at how we did. I think we faced all three of those guys earlier this season. So I'll have to look to see how we fared against them. Um, the Reds, on the other hand. So the Cubs currently 78 and 71. Like I said, they're losing right now. But um, the Reds, I think right now, have the other, like one of the wild card spots locked up. Um, I mean, not sealed, but. Oh, 78 and 73. They're a game behind the Cubs, and they have been playing iffy lately. They are currently half game out of the wild card. But, yeah, they've been just kind of okay. Guys like... Um, Ellie De La Cruz has really come back to earth. I think he's batting like under 200 since the All-Star break. Um, but like I said, their pitching's kind of a mess. Guys like Hunter Green really regressing. But uh, what are your thoughts going to Cincinnati and having to face them there? I think that is where the Pirates are going to eliminate the Reds from that wild card contention. With a week left in the season, you think they'll be knocked out there? Yep. When you get swept there, it, you're out. Yep. Um, I mean, it's possible. I don't know how likely, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with the Cubs series that, that that's going to be tough. It's tough because you're in Chicago, so they've got home field advantage. You're facing Justin Steele's Probably going to finish top three, if not win, Cy Young. Kind of blew up in his last start, so he'll be hungry to do better next time. Tie-in. I mean, I think that maybe we beat Tie-in because he's kind of struggled the second half of the season, hasn't looked as good this year. And Asad, I think I want to say that he, he got us good last time. But yeah, with the Reds... A mixed bag. If if it's Abbott and Williamson, I could see us taking at least one, if not both, of those games. And TBD has been pitching a lot of innings this year for you know us and other teams, <laughs> but everybody for everyone. So it'll it'll be interesting how that goes. But I'd like for us to have a winning week. But if we finish, you know, three and three, when we talk again next week. I'll be happy with that too. I think that's not that's not a bad thing when you're you're facing two playoff contenders and then we got two more playoff contenders next week with the Phillies and the Marlins. Tough tough stretch to end the season. 
Do you think it that is. the team finishes with a winning month? We're currently nine and seven. Man, it's going to be tough. So we're basically playing four potential playoff teams. Yep. In a, in a row. All teams. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Phillies series is in Philadelphia. We've just got three games left at home against the Marlins. I don't know. It's going to be tough. I'm a, I'm I mean, we'll, no. It'll be close, but no. We'll have a better assessment of it next week uh, yeah. leading into that. But that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. You can continue. Hopefully, you can follow me on Twitter at 412 Double Play, posting pitcher previews, game recaps on Sundays, general Pirates-related shenanigans. Follow Ed at Ed underscore Wassel. Continue listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else podcasts are found. Make sure to subscribe so you get notified when we drop our new episodes. And from all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us, and let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks.